If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. Welcome to the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is episode number 30, and we are talking about putting oneness ahead of being right. Yeah, we're your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams, and this is the podcast for couples that refuse to settle for ordinary marriages. We know what it's like to want a great marriage, but not know where to turn. So each week, we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and advice, And of course, a challenge that will help you build more connection and intimacy in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughs along the way. We always do, babe. Absolutely. You know what? Hmm. I feel like we haven't had a date night in a while. We haven't had a date night in a while. You know how I know that? Um, (laughs) Well, there are many reasons, but why? why? (laughs) Well, I mean, our five-year-old daughter is telling us we need a date night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the other night, uh, the other after dinner, Allie's like, "So when are you taking another date night?" We're like, "What? Wait, what are you up to?" <laughs> You're shady. You're shady. Well, the thing is, is usually kids like don't want their parents to like go yeah. out and like I don't want somebody else to tuck me in and you know all well, that. And and she goes, "I'll pay for it." Oh, <laughs> she's so sweet. What does she think we're gonna do? Walk around the block? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that could be a date night. We could walk around the block. Sure, absolutely. But she's like, I- I'll pay for it with my money. She's got like three dollars in <laughs> in dirty old pennies or something <laughs> that she picked out of the sofa cushions. And she thinks know, we're bless gonna, her heart. She thinks we're going to go to Great Wolf Lodge with that money. Yeah. Go on a date night. Yeah, we're starting to try to teach the 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 idea, the concept of of what it's about. But you know, yeah. So, so we had Father's Day since we were last on here. Yeah. And we had talked about your expectation for Father's Day. Uh, and okay. the expectations were blown out of the water because... Literally f- out of what? the water. It was funny because a friend texted us out of the blue and said, hey, let's go, you know, we're renting a boat. Let's go tubing and skiing and, you know, jump in the lake and have fun on Father's Day. And so we were like... Yes, please. Well, my first re- reaction was, well, I don't know. I was kind of looking forward to a really low key, um, you know. That I, was I, your I'm first not really reaction? looking forward to it. I, and I was like, wait, no, I'm not looking forward to it. I just kind of accepted the the idea that we you were, were resigned be, to it. I was resigned. <laughs> I mean, if we're honest, I was just going to be like, uh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> the girls had said that they were going to take you out to the Cars movie, but oh yeah, but. I think going out on a boat was a lot more fun. Yes. I'm still a little sore. From tubing? From tubing. Like holding on hard. Like I'm I'm out on this tube with both the girls at one point. Yeah. And holding on for dear life for myself and for them. Yeah. And they're five and three. So it's not like they have a whole lot of faculties to... You know, like tube themselves. Now, mind you, we weren't going 80 miles an hour behind a cigarette boat on Lake Travis. It was just... It was a pontoon boat. It was a boat. pontoon boat. It had, some, <laughs> it had some get up and go. It was nice. It was, it was a fantastic day. 
um, just hanging out with with some good friends. I feel like I want to sing summer, summer, summertime. Please don't. Will Smith. You're going to make me edit that out later. No, I'm not. I want to keep it in because we're like in full summer mode. The girls are wanting to go to the pool every day. And honestly, it's kind of you that wants to go to the pool every day too. Mm, I mean, in the, in the afternoon when it's 85 degrees in the office and I'm too cheap to turn the AC down. Yeah, you're right. I do. Well, I thought you were going to say it's 85 outside. I'm like... Where do you live? No, at? it's like 95 or 105 <laughs> outside. Well, yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, the girls want to be at the pool every day. So they're, they're really loving that whole deal. But you know what I found? I found this article that was talking about kids and summertime. Oh, and, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was talking about how um, there are these overprotective kind of rules. It was like, kids shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that. And they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that. And think about like, as a kid, like I would disappear for literally an entire day. I would go swimming at my friend's house, probably from as soon as I could get over there until nighttime. And I don't think my parents ever laid eyes on me. Honestly, I could have been, I could have been in the bottom of their pool for like a day and they wouldn't have known any different. I don't, I don't buy that, but But, I know what you mean. I I was the same for me when I was summer and I was roam the neighborhood and have fun and you know, whatever. But now it's kind of funny. So I, I picked out five things that I thought were so like, 10 or 20 crazy things in this article. I know. And there was these experts. Okay. So there were experts that say, okay, first of all, don't bury your kid in the sand. That was Mm -hmm. the first recommendation. Because it's dirty. Well, it's dirty and there's bugs in there and there's, I I guess it's it's like... it's because of the moisture in the sand when you bury it. bacteria or something. Yeah, there's more bacteria and things like that. So you really, really shouldn't shouldn't uh if you're at the beach you shouldn't play in the sand yeah and you're not supposed to the second one was don't lay on the sand yeah yeah because there could be like like sand flies or like little insects that could bite you yeah and then there was one in there that was like (laughs) don't walk on it barefoot yeah you have to wear shoes yeah when you're at the hard hard sold shoes well you know what usually our grandfathers did that (laughs) They would wear like the black socks. No, they would just wear sandals though. Black socks ridiculous. with sandals. This was it was some government funded but come research on. thing, wasn't it? Come on. And the next one was avoid the sun from the hours of ten to four. That's the whole day. Was this written by like vampires or something? <laughs> 10 to 4. That's the entire day. Like, okay, granted. We need more people out at night so we can feed. (laughs) Tell them to avoid the sunlight. It is. (laughs) Well, I was just wondering, like, I probably should be. Look into my eyes. You do not want to be in the sunlight. You will wear your shoes. (laughs) But, um. I probably should be a little bit more careful because I will take the kids out, like, Noon to two, we're going to the pool. It's, you know, Texas blazing hot sun. But, I mean, you got sunscreen on. You spray the sunscreen on, rub it in. They're fine. And go to town. I mean, they look a little more tan than the average children, but... (laughs) (laughs) 
They're toasty. Yeah. They're toasty. They've got that warm glow about them. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so my, the last and, one was... And they sleep at night. And they sleep at night. That's the, When we say it's bedtime, they go, but we're not... <laughs> That's true. And don't drink hose water. What? That's... It, it, growing up, if I didn't drink hose water, <laughs> I would not have... I would have died of dehydration in the summer. Right. I used to have a job at the golf course and they would, we would always fill up the, the little, um, jugs. Um, what, what's with the hose difference? Water. What's the difference? When we had the RV, there were yeah. like, there were like, um, potable water hoses and non potable water hoses. And of course the potable ones, the ones that you that you can drink from yeah. were like three times more expensive. But you actually look at it, and it's the exact same stuff. It's whatever. Who cares? I'm sure there's some chemical thing that it's better somehow. But you but. know what? Okay, so the last thing, this is just my adding to it. This was not in the article. But this was just a noticing of mine. So my friends, uh, I have some friends that will not go to pool parties. They won't take their kids to pool parties, which as a kid, didn't you live for a pool party? My parents, I didn't have friends. Okay. Well, anyways, if you would have had friends, (laughs) wouldn't you have loved to go to a pool party? Heck to the yes. (laughs) But that it's such a safety issue. Well, I mean, it is. is. We were a couple years ago, we were sitting at at some, a friend's house. They had a beautiful pool and it was I don't know, probably 15 kids and a bunch of adults. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're not, you, you, you stop paying crisp attention for a moment. I know. And one of the little ones that couldn't swim kind of went off the little shallow part into the deep yeah. part and was, you know, flailing. Yeah. But man, the mom was like up from the table, fly, literally flying through the air, diving over. I know. I know. It's scary, but also you want to think like, Am I just going to avoid the pool? Because I don't know. It's a tricky situation. But anyway. So it's like be, you know. Be safe. The thing, like I want to do the public service announcement about the pool party thing. Yeah. Like if you're there, trade off. Yeah. Be the watch At least one or two parents need to have their eyes on the water at all times. Yeah. Trade off so you can, everybody can have conversation and stuff like that. But, but do be really, really mindful of it. Do be. Did you just make a drug joke? <laughs> I don't know. I was oh my just gosh, say, like, that is getting edited out. Oh, geez. Okay. So you have been censured. Oh, geez. Okay. So today. Oh, wait, no, not censured. That's something that happens in the Senate. Censored. 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 You've been censored. Sometimes I just nod along, like, yeah, you're right. Thinking, like, he must be saying something super smart that I don't know what he's talking about. I make half this stuff up. I know you do, babe. Okay, so today on the podcast, we are talking about putting oneness in your marriage ahead of being right. Yeah, there was a, a quote years ago. I remember um, uh, you, you can choose one. Your love, which do you love more, your wife or your need to be right. It was a leader speaking yeah. to a group of men. And it was it was one of those... Uh, it was kind of a gut punch for yeah, me at sure. the time. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll, we'll dive into that today on the podcast and also what to do when the word divorce gets put into play. Oof. And, um, yeah. And just the idea of a way to transform your marriage is just to transform yourself. Yeah. I mean, as much as I try to make you change, doesn't usually work that well. Uh, okay. Anyway, today on the show, we've got Clarissa Mance, a transformational coach for moms. Uh, this woman we met a few weeks ago in our online mastermind group for entrepreneurs. And as soon as we got a glimpse of her story, we knew we had to have her on the show. And really, it comes down to how she and her husband went through some really significant ups and downs and found themselves at the brink of divorce and came back from there stronger and better than ever. So without any further ado, enjoy Danielle's interview with Clarissa Mance. So I am here with Clarissa Mance, who is a life coach for moms. Welcome, Clarissa. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your coaching? Yeah, I really help women, um, and my emphasis is on moms, rediscover who they are, what are their dreams um, and purpose outside of the roles and titles that they carry. You mean there's life outside being a mom? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Uh, It took me a few years to figure that one out. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have like a moment where you were like, I think I need to get back into being myself again. Well, how did that happen? Oh yeah. I was, it was after um, my second was born and I was looking in the mirror mirror one day and I was like, who, who am I anymore? I'm not wearing my high heels. My hair is like always up in this ponytail and I'm in like my pajamas or sweats all day. And I actually found myself resenting my kids think feeling Mm -hmm. like what have, you know, I was a super fun person and then I had kids and now like everything I do is through this, what would my kids do filter? Mm -hmm. Um, and it really made me kind of blame them and say, okay, what, what did you guys take from me? And so I had Ooh, to go yeah. on a really deep journey of uncovering, like, who am I? And um, I called her the woman I would be in another life. And I kind of like dream about her. And I just figured out that that, that other life wasn't going to happen. But the essence of that could be infused into my everyday life right where I was at. Yeah. So what, um, what advice would you give to moms if they realize that they haven't gotten out of their yoga pants in five days and the ponytail is like the permanent ponytail. So what would you, what would you tell those moms? Yeah, I think, well, the first thing I would say is that the, we need to start from a place of grace and loving ourselves, like loving Mm. ourselves out of it. Because if you're just going to beat yourself up over it, you're just going to continue down that hole. So, so we just need to say, okay, this is how it's been. And that's okay. That has Mm -hmm. been the season. And now I'm going to start making choices to move out of it. And um, the biggest thing I would tell anyone to start with is journaling and not as in like keeping a diary, but of mm-hmm. having it as an opportunity to uncover um, 
the shoulds that we've been living by, like for anytime yeah. that we do something, we feel like I, this isn't really what I want to be doing. Or we yell at our kids or something like that. I'm like, I don't want to be a mom who yells. Like where, let's journal out, where does that stem from? And let's get honest. Cause until we actually get honest with where we're at, we can never mm-hmm. move forward. Yeah. Um, Justin and I always say, don't shit all over yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Feel free to use that if it's appropriate. <laughs> well, I don't know if it is appropriate or not, but, um, so what got you into coaching? So you said you're a coach. Were you a coach before that mirror moment? No, I really, um, didn't know. I, I knew that there was more outside of just being a mom and I was staying home. I would stay at home mom. And I knew I didn't want to go and get a job. Like I, I really did love the opportunity to be home with my kids, mm-hmm. but I knew that as a woman, I had a bigger purpose. And, um, ultimately it was, and I think all of our purposes and in the impact and legacy that we leave. Yeah. And so, um, I kind of went on this journey. I I did some blogging. uh, I did some network marketing, continually like really paying attention to what was making me alive in, in what I was pursuing and learning and growing and letting it slowly unfold um, until I started to, I I mean, I probably looked into coaching for over a year before I started. Mm -hmm. um, And I've never felt more alive than when I know that I am making an impact in other women's lives. You know what? I I really love that tip. So I know there's a lot of men or women out there that are like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, or maybe it's a career shift or whatever it is. Just notice that aliveness. I love that tip. Just, you know, notice what makes you come alive and chase that. I always say chase your curiosity. Like, you know, there's nothing, um, if you can learn that to fail for that, if something doesn't work, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. You, it's just, that it was another growth and learning opportunity. Then you don't have to be scared to try different things because you're just going to continually, okay, if it doesn't work, I failed forward and I've grown and I'm better. And I know even, I have an even clearer idea of who I am and what I love. Yeah. So, um, so along with being a coach for moms, you are also, uh, you said a mother of two three. and a wife. Oh, yeah, three. I got three. Yes. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> mother of three. And how old are your kiddos? Six, three. And my youngest will be two in August. So little, little, little. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're married. And how long have you been married? What's the story? How'd you fall in love? How'd you meet? Yes. Well, okay. So we will celebrate our seven year anniversary next month. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. We met uh, when we were working together. I, I was living out of state at the time and we started working together and, um, it wasn't like a love. Well, my husband would say it was a love at first sight for him. Apparently he was just a love it story that when he, the, for his first day at work, I apparently opened the door for him cause he didn't have a key to get in. And, um, he looked at over at another guy who was walking in and said, I'm going to marry that girl one day. <laughs> oh, of course. I love it. I Where love me it. on the other hand, 
I don't even remember that moment. (laughs) What door? What key? Yes. Like, oh, really? Um, So we worked together for probably a year before we started dating. And our story is- Once you figured out he existed. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) that would happen. Yeah. I mean, even when we started dating, I mean- our story is very unique where it, even in our dating, like I still didn't, I never really had those butterflies and those lovey-dovey feelings. Um, I was kind of still sort of rebelling against what, you know, what I had been taught or what I should be doing. And he had this little kind of bad boy edge to him. And so that uh, is kind of where our journey Started so you right. didn't have marriage in mind when you started dating? No. 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 <laughs> so you have, it sounds like he had a leather jacket and a motorcycle and he. Yeah. Like, he had a, uh, I don't know what year it was, but a really loud souped up Camaro. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say you're, well, Justin wasn't like that to begin with, but he's definitely is the leather jacket wearing biker now. So That's- at the time I probably would have been like, I was, I was kind of proper. I would have been like, ew, whatever. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh yeah, bring it. Why don't you have some more tattoos? Like what's your deal? I love that. I love that. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you change? Like you said he was on a different page. Like he was love at first sight and you were kind of like, whatever, just having fun with the bad boy and, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then you, so what happened that you decided, Hey, we're going to yeah. get married. This is a life lifer here. Yeah. Um, well we, he, he was so infatuated with me and in love with me, um, that I said, well, I want to pack up all my stuff at the time we lived in Kansas city. I said, I want to pack up all my stuff and move back to Washington state to be near my family. And he said, okay, let's do it. So we've been dating for like two months. Mm, Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, and he just packs up and we move. Um, and then two months later we had the double pink lines. Oh man. Yeah. We're not expecting that. No. Um, and that really, sent us in kind of a tailspin. We um, actually even broke up there for a while. He went back to Kansas City. I was like, what am I doing? What is, you know, this is not the guy I thought I was going to marry. And I, I've yeah. been all of a sudden in all that, like, I should have these feelings and I should this and I should that. But we have this mm. baby and uh, on the way. And so I really I started getting back um, into church and really pursuing the Lord. And in that um, process, I came to a place where I just felt like this was um, the next step. And I think part of it at the time obviously was being pregnant, but now seven years later, I can look back and I definitely see like it was, it was the Lord saying, I've got a bigger plan than you know right now. Sure. Sure. Oh my gosh. And then, so here's my, my, my thought on that is I, man, it sounds like you guys really rose to the occasion. Like you had the unexpected and then it's like, all right, I'm done with the, just trying to find bad boys and I'm going to church. And like, it's kind of sounds like all of a sudden the switch went off. 
And you turned like, okay, I'm in mom mode now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I definitely did. Um, it took, it took him a while longer (laughs) to go into dad mode. (laughs) You go into dad mode and we, uh, through some, um, I mean, years really. Um, and, and after nine, so we, we got married when I was seven months pregnant. Yeah. And, um, after nine months of marriage, we ended up separating. Wow. Well, man, it was, it sounded like, um, you two were taking turns chasing each other. Like I'm chasing you. No, you're chasing me. No, I'm chasing you. Now it's like, it kind of sounds like you already had the kind of back and forth kind of chemistry going on from, from that the get-go. That is true. I've never thought of it like that, but that is absolutely spot on. <laughs> so obviously you started out with some challenges right from the get-go with yeah. um, unexpectedly becoming a mom. And so what, what would you say is kind of your biggest challenge that you've faced or challenges um, so far as being um, a wife, being married? Yes. Well, we came from two completely different backgrounds and different um, examples of marriage. He came from a very broken home and I came from a very stable, um, can't even recall my parents fighting type of yeah. So at the time I didn't really understand. And my mom had warned me like, you know, there's, there's going to be challenges there. So that was a really big challenge of, um, coming from those different backgrounds. But when it comes to just our own behavior, I would say we had a tendency to always think that there was a negative motive to everything Mm -hmm. that we said and did. Like they were, you were out to sort of get me. Um, and that was really rooted in our pride, very prideful people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, really did not want to admit or, or acknowledge how we had contributed to the problem that we were in. Um, and so you had some, so you had some rough waters right from the get go. And of course, mom warned you, but what do you, you're going to take that warning? Like, come on, mom, we're in love. I know. It'll work out. Exactly. Um, and well, and in that whole thing too, which was kind of an element of it that was, is outside our control is that he struggles with some mood disorders as well. Okay. So we had that kind of piled on top of everything else. And it was just, um, one pot, you know, pothole filled road. (laughs) Yeah. So just one thing after another, after another. Yeah. So right from the get go, it was Rocky. Yes, absolutely. So when you were, um, did you realize about, um, his mental illness things when you had gotten married or that was afterwards you realized it? It was after, it was after our son was born, our firstborn. Um, and the stress of, um, being a new parent and the lack of sleep and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, there was a really a major shift in that moment where, and an unwillingness on his part to acknowledge it. And on my part in attack mode constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you were, um, 
dealing with a whole lot of things that you thought you were not going to have to deal with. And you weren't, you weren't really, uh, you weren't really set for all that. Not that anybody's set for what you're going to face in marriage, but if there were some listeners out there that are kind of nodding along with you, like, wow, you know, my husband deals with depression or whatever it is. Is there something that you would give as um, a tip or word of wisdom for our listeners dealing with mental illness in their family? Yeah, I think the biggest, um, two things. Well, I actually, the biggest thing would be to continually believe the best. Um, That that at their heart, at everybody's heart is a good-willed person. Like like Mm -hmm. someone made in God's image, it it is a good-willed person and their actions and behaviors might be out of their control or they're just choosing to not behave the way that they should. Mm -hmm. But when you can make that choice to believe the best, it then gives you the opportunity to have more grace towards those moments. Yeah. So I would, it sounds like your challenges were, were you, were y'all ever separated or, um, did it get to the point where it was like, okay, we might get a divorce or. Yeah. Yeah. We were separated. So after, um, when my son, our son was nine months old, we separated and I filed for divorce. I was, I was so done and over, um, it, but in that time, that was like, that was his huge wake up, come to Jesus moment, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, you know, found the Lord. He got to a doctor, got medication, got help, um, and, and started to really work on himself in that. Um, and so it took months of him continually showing up better, better, and mm-hmm. better. Um, before I really started noticing or taking it seriously. Yeah. Um, but there was just this moment where like, we got, we went out as a family and he, we had a great time and he was so kind and he was playing with our son and he was smiling and no longer did the the external circumstances affect him. And that was like my huge light bulb moment to say, there might be hope. Yeah. Wait a second. There might be hope here. We'll get back to Danielle's interview with Clarissa Mance in just a moment. But first, this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Family Adventure Guide. We know you want to take your family out into the wild, into the great outdoors, but sometimes it can turn into a whiny, hangry mess. We help take the drama out of a day hike and turn it into an epic family adventure. Check out legendarymarriage.com slash adventure. And now the rest of Danielle's interview with Clarissa Mance. But I still went through, I was still going through with the divorce at the time. Like I was, I wasn't ready to totally like take that off the table um, until four days before we're supposed to go sign the divorce papers. And I just have this like... (laughs) wait a second. Like, this is real. I mean, don't think that you realize it, especially in like with the media and society and stuff, the way it is today, like when it comes to actually make that real, yeah. it takes on a whole new meaning. And so I had to pause, I had to pray, I had to seek 
wisdom and um, I called him and I said, would it be okay if I put the divorce on hold and we went to counseling? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And he, he's calmly was like, if that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. But, and he's going, yes, yes, yes. In the car, he's going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is what I wanted. <laughs> that is, wow. That just sounds like nothing short of a miracle, honestly. Yeah. I'm sure you were feeling that in the moment for sure. And um, so, man, I feel like you've, you guys have dealt with so much, but like, I'm sure there's couples out there that the word divorce has been thrown out there, whether it was just in a fight or it was like a serious, we're drawing up papers kind of a thing. What thoughts would you have for the couples out there that are um, thinking about divorce? Yeah. Um, I would say the first thing that to do is to take a step back from the situation, look within yourself, draw that, I, I, you know, one of the tools that we've learned is draw a circle around yourself and work on everything within the circle. And, <laughs> with just, just you. Yeah, with just you. And that means you need to, you know, it, you need to truly acknowledge what has brought you to that moment. Um, because it's easy. Well, if he was like this, or if she was like that, then we wouldn't be here. But there's a difference, I think, between being victim and just owning the fact that um, as wives, like if we have been not respecting our husbands continually and sort of um, like, you don't know what you're talking about. I got Mm. this. I got this over and over again. That does breed in the husband, right? Like the resentment or not caring or, you know, even some bigger things. I mean, that can lead to, to, you know, affairs and things like that from this feeling. And it's not saying that it's your fault, but it is saying, you know what? I played a part in where we're at right now. And when you can start to then work on those areas and just say, okay, I'm going to work on my part. Mm Mm-hmm. It's amazing the ripple effect that that has. That's awesome. And I just listening to your story before, when you said you first separated, he did the hard work and he was just working on himself. Mm -hmm. And like the overflow from that was like, hey, there's hope. Like we can, we can make this work. So man, I, I love that word of you can only just work on yourself because it doesn't really go so well sometimes when you try to just work on the other person. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That usually comes up pretty fruitless and just annoying on both parts. Mm-hmm. And it's giving, really, I mean, when you're focused on, so focused on what the other person should be doing, um, mm-hmm. it really leaves us in a powerless place because yeah. there's nothing, we can't control anybody else, which then just makes us frustrated even more. Sure. I'm just wondering when y'all were doing um, your counseling, um, was there some certain like forgiveness that you had to do for like, you filed divorce papers and you did this and you did like, was forgiveness a a big part of that? Or what did that look like for you guys? Yeah, not actually at that moment, um, but as time went on and we ended up in, 
you know, more ups and downs and kind of, um, actually we found ourselves back into a, a similar place, not quite as, as dire. Mm -hmm. Um, we then went back to, to, through a program at our church and that was just huge for us. And so, and part of that, yes, was forgiveness. Forgiveness was huge. And they really built this foundation. Um, forgiveness isn't just, I'm sorry, I forgive you. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's starting with your, so first, um, it was about me saying like, I, I make mistakes, uh, acknowledging what I do and that I would want someone to have grace for me. Like I'm not a perfect person, but I really have a good heart. So we need to extend grace. We need sure. to just like, you know, God extends grace to us. We need to extend grace. So it starts with saying, having the grace and then the humility to know who we are, be like, know that who we are is not based on other people's actions. But when we have a firm foundation of who we are, we can then lay down our pride and our selfishness Mm -hmm. to lift up the other person. And then from there, um, we, when we have grace and when we have humility, we can then not only truly ask for forgiveness, but we can also give forgiveness. Um, and it takes it from this feeling of, of I'm, oh, well, if I'm just going to be a doormat, it's just going to happen all over again. Um, it's, it's not just like brushing it off, right? There's still repercussions. There's still things you have to deal with, but those three to this day, we go back. If we're having an argument, we go back, like, how can we, how, you know, I'll say this, how can I show grace in this moment? Mm-hmm. How can I lay down my selfishness? Because at the end of the day, our unity is more important than me being right. And if right. we keep our unity um, at the heart of the problem, like at the problem, and we can put the problem, you know, can make a triangle where we are linked arms and the problem's out there, and we can say, how can we fix this problem? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to have that grace and humility and then continually just knowing that we are going to hurt each other. We're human beings. Right. So we will continually forgive. And just because we forgive, that doesn't mean it's gone. We might even get the feelings again, the anger and the resentment for something that they did two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's our job to just continually forgive and forgive and forgive um, and not let the anger and the resentment kind of build back up in our hearts. I love what you say. Like you kind of got to have the big picture in mind. Like, is it important to quote unquote win this fight or is it important to continually build the oneness of our relationship? I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. And, um, so it sounds like y'all have just like relentlessly pursued, um, making your marriage amazing and just keep after it and keep after it. I wonder, like, it sounds like y'all went through a lot that maybe wasn't so wonderful, but right now, what's it, what's it like for you guys? What's the, what's your marriage look like today? It is amazing. I mean, when you asked me in the beginning, when did we fall in love? I can say like, 
we fell in love when we learned these principles. Like I fell in love. I truly mm. fell in love when we learned these principles. And when um, I was able to go, you know what? Life is so much easier when I can just lift him up and when I can just go with the flow and not have to stand in my ground. That takes so much of my energy and makes me so bitter and resentful. But if yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, because then I have to every day, right? I have to make sure that I'm still standing that ground, putting that energy in to stand that ground. If I still mad, as mad as I was yesterday. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. And so um, as I've been, as I've been able to continually um, just stay within my circle, that feeling. I mean, I'm so in love now and our marriage is so good. And even though, I mean, we still like have our bickerments and our arguments and, and even sometimes fight, but it never lasts long. It's just like, wait, okay, what did I do here? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did have, you know, a part in this. So I need to have grace for what he did or vice versa. Um, and we love to be around each other now. We love to go out together now. Um, it's, it is just amazing and yet not perfect. Sure. Who is? That's a lot, it's a lot to live up to to be perfect. I don't know yes. if any of us are going to really get there. Um, but okay, so here's my question. Look, and um, you and your husband, okay, tell me your husband's name. Evan. Evan. Okay. You and Evan, it sounds like you have a legendary marriage for sure. Like even, uh, with the, the plot twists and turns here (laughs) and there, it's like the happily ever after for sure. So what do you think, what do you think it takes for couples to build a legendary marriage? First, draw that circle around yourself Yeah, and just focus on what on you, on your growth, on your relationship with the Lord, on your, um, how you're contributing. So Mm -hmm. I would say the first thing is, is stay within that circle and don't point fingers at your spouse anymore and see, Mm -hmm. and just how can you best serve? And then the second thing is to keep your marriage unity as the priority. There's no compromise that way. So compromise, right? Everyone has to give up something. when you compromise, but when you say, okay, the problem, let's put the problem out there. Let's link arms and let's say, how can we solve this problem in a way that keeps our marriage unified and makes us a team, a true Mm -hmm. team? Well, then you're like, then you guys are brainstorming together and you don't feel like you have to give up anything because what you're gaining in your marriage in that moment is worth anything that you guys might sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So that is, I mean, that has been life-changing. And I think at the end, that is what makes a legendary marriage. I love it. I love it. So you're, you're tackling the problem, not each other, and you do your part. You work on yourself. You do the work. I love it. Well, Clarissa, this has been a great, Great talking to you. Um, so are you going to come back and join us on the podcast again sometime? I feel, I like, I feel like we're soul sisters. We I would again. love to. I could just <laughs> talk about marriage all day. I'm oh, so okay. passionate about it. <laughs>
Me too. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Clarissa. Um, what about, um, what do you have going on right now? How can our um, audience find you? Do you have websites or Facebook groups or what do you have going on? How can we find you? Yes, I've got um, my Facebook group is the Fiercely Feminine Movement. And it's really just for women to come celebrate, discover who they are, celebrate the feminine heart. Um, I do have a website that is temporarily under construction right now. It I'm is- sure by the time this goes live, <laughs> it'll be fine. Yeah, it is clarissamance.com. Okay. And um, I also am offering 30-minute breakthrough sessions to really be able to dive in and make a game plan for what is holding you back from showing up as the woman that you are designed to be. Awesome. All right. And we'll include all that in the show notes so that you can find Clarissa. All right. Thanks, Clarissa. We will connect with you next time for sure. Thank you, Danielle. So my favorite part of that interview may have been the the laughter that you two had. Like almost the whole interview, there was just this these little tiny pieces of laughter the whole time. Yes. Everybody likes to hear my cackling on on the uh, podcast. Which is which is amazing in, in a way because, uh, I mean, I think you found a soul sister, but also, um, you know, she touches on some really important things, some yeah. really significant pieces in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, she talked about how, um, you know, even though she and her husband were ready for divorce. You know, they felt, it felt stuck. It felt hopeless. I mean, from the outside looking in, it was like a done deal, Mm -hmm. but they both kept fighting. I mean, he was doing his thing and she was open to reconciliation. So they kept fighting until the very last note was played. And they were just, they were fighting for the oneness for their marriage, for the big picture. Um, not just fighting against each other. Yeah. You know, sometimes those last few moments can be, you know, the bitter, ugly end, but they were just, they were fighting for each other and for their marriage until the very end. And then it was like, Boom, they got a new life. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I it's I don't like to compare, but I look at I listen to their story and I and I think about ours and you know, we had that moment where where it was thrown out there, that that bomb was thrown out there. And it wasn't like there was this sudden moment of clarity. It wasn't that there was like, "Oh, wait, no, we're going to do like we can tell the story that way because we look back on it with the eyes of wisdom." Mm-hmm. But in the moment, we were just like just in shock and awe and, and you just go, wait, no, like, uh, I don't know what I'm fighting for. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but no, no, like, this that's is not the not, way it's going to go. This is not our answer. And uh, just, yeah, I just, I am, I am so humbled by the, the humility and the grace and the, the persistence that they yeah. both have in that story. It's, it's really significant. And the second thing that stood out to me was that you can't change your spouse, <laughs> but you can no. certainly change yourself. You can work you know, on yourself. And it's a double-edged sword 
because there are so many couples that that I talk to where they they go, well, you know, I look I look at the person next to me, and I'm like, I don't even know you anymore. Well, because because we are growing and changing. Well, thank goodness. Jeez. And then there are the then there are the the couples who who I talk with and like, well, this will never change. Like. It's, I don't want to change. It's not, it's not going to change. He won't change. She won't change. We won't change. And, and the truth is change is the constant. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, it's a big part of why marriage is hard. Could you imagine if you were the same person that you were when you were 25? Oh, I, I have <laughs> nightmares about that. <laughs> um, there were things, there were so- things, sometimes I think there were things that were better than in me. Yeah. I knew less. So I was less of a pain in the butt. Um, but, but my goodness, yeah, that, that would not be good. Um, so change is the constant and it's why it makes, it makes marriage hard because every time you think you've got your finger on the pulse of your partner, it changes. They start changing. Yeah. God's doing his work. They're doing their work. They're they're We're changing. Yeah. We're growing. Yeah. Um, and you but, want to embrace that, not just be yeah. okay with it. Like Absolutely. Embrace it. And so um, our challenge to y'all this week is to, like Clarissa said, draw the circle around yourself and identify what it is that you need to work on for you to become the best version of yourself to bring to your spouse. Mm. It's an act of humility to, to do that, to, you know, crack open your journal and one morning just, just, just ask God and, and reflect for yourself and say, what, where do I need to grow? Yeah. What, what am I bringing to the relationship, to my life, to my leadership, to my parenting, to my whatever it is, but to my marriage, um, that's not helping. Right. And then um, join the conversation in our free community on Facebook. We've got yeah. the legendary marriage group on Facebook, and we will be having that conversation this week about um, what is it that God is calling you to change in order to transform your marriage. Yeah. So that'll be a good conversation. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash three zero. Come join the conversation in our free community on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share stories about transforming your marriage from ordinary to legendary. You can search for Legendary Marriage Group on Facebook or visit legendarymarriage.com slash community. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary.